Father, we come before you again in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the one who has lived and who has died and who has rose again and now shares all those things with us as your people. So in that this morning, would you use this time in your word to encourage us, to build us up, and to give us that strength that comes from being in your presence. And out of that strength, Father, would you use us? Would you remind us of our purpose in this community? To make the name of Jesus known. To show his glory and his greatness. So, Father, give us that strength. Give us that motive in our inner beings today. And use us for your purposes here, for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can take a seat. Well, good morning again. Welcome again to River City Church. My name is Charlie, and we as a body today, we get to celebrate Christ as a family. And so no matter how you came here this morning, no matter how your heart's doing as you walk through these doors, if you're struggling, if you're hurting, if you feel rejected, if you feel dejected, even if you're not sure about the gospel, even if you're not sure about Christianity, we're very glad that you're with us. We're very glad that we get to serve you this morning, and we want you to know that it's no accident that you're here. It's no accident that you're with us. And we're thankful for your presence because as a church, we're going through a short series this month on ecclesiology or the doctrine of the church where we celebrate God's design and his desire for us as a body. And we've called it Called Out, God's People Together on Mission. And so up to this point, we have celebrated what God has already done to make us his people. And we have celebrated how, as his people, we are fully dependent upon him and we are interdependent upon one another. And now this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate what God will continue doing through us as a body, as a church in this community. And so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you want to turn there this morning, Kissab and Baron have copies of God's word if you want to grab one. Raise your hand and they'll get you one. In these Bibles, we're on page 627 this morning, page 627. And this letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church is a really interesting letter. It was written to this group of people in the Roman city of Corinth, which is now located uh, about 50 miles west of Athens. But at this time, it was a Roman city and a very important Roman city for trade as it was located on a small strip of land between two major bodies of water. And this guy, Paul, he was super smart. He knew the gospel. He went around the ancient world just meeting people, sharing the gospel, planting churches. And the people that he met in these places, they became very dear to him. He loved these people very deeply. And we see that just pour out of him in this letter of 2 Corinthians. The origin story of this church comes from Acts chapter 18, where Paul entered Corinth, and he was looking for a Jewish synagogue or a place of Jewish worship. And when he found it, he went in, he started sharing the gospel with people, he started telling them that Jesus was the Savior, but he was actually opposed. He was reviled, Acts 18 says. And so he literally left the synagogue and he went right to the house right next door to it 
and continued to proclaim the gospel. And as he did that, many people believed, many people became Christians, but the persecution that he experienced continued uh, during his time there. So one night, in uh, Acts 18, God talks to Paul. He shares a vision with Paul in the night, and he says to him, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Now, these are specific promises made to a specific person in a specific place at a specific time. But the idea that there were people in Corinth who belonged to God but they did not yet know it is intriguing. God's plan was to save his people in the city of Corinth through the proclamation of the gospel. And so Paul, he ended up spending 18 months in Corinth teaching the word of God amidst this ongoing persecution. But unfortunately, what happened was after Paul left the city after those 18 months, false teachers came in among the people, and Paul calls these guys super apostles. And what they did was they attempted to draw people away from the pure gospel. They, they proclaimed a gospel that was more about outward appearance than it was about the heart. And so as this took place, the relationship between Paul and this church, this group of people in Corinth, it deteriorated. And this letter is Paul's very personal appeal for them not to reject him and not to reject the gospel. And because Paul loved this group of people so much, he begged and he pleaded with them to hold fast to the gospel that he had taught them. And in the passage we're studying uh, this morning, he's sharing with them the role that God had given him, what motivated him to carry out this job and the gospel message that he had brought to this group of people. So follow along with me as you, if you would as we study God's word for God's people. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 11 through 21. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves." but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. 
God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's pretty good stuff. So in week one of our series, Pastor Jake asked us to ponder the question, who am I? Who am I? And we saw from 1 Peter 2 that you're God's people. And last week we considered the question, who are, who are we as a body? We are God's people together. We are dependent upon God and we are interdependent upon one another. And now this week we're going to wrestle with this question. Who are we to our community? Who are we in this city? And so the title of this message is God's People Together on Mission. God's People Together on Mission. So I'm sure that you know people in our community who do not like living here. I heard a musician the other day who's from Los Angeles, uh, but moved here because his wife is from here, and from what it sounded like, he was not too happy about his new home. Kind of hard to blame him, I suppose, because it's cold around here. Uh, The people, at times, we can be passive-aggressive. It's super cold around here. Uh, We got trains who cut through our town all over the place, it feels like. We can have major floods every now and again. And so we can make a a pretty good list of why we don't like living here. And when we aren't excited about living here, then we're not going to be very quick to say, hey, maybe you should move to Fargo. We're not going to help other people consider maybe moving north of normal as we have. In fact, what you'll probably end up doing is telling people you should should just move further away uh, from this frozen tundra that is northern Minnesota and North Dakota. But this morning what we're going to do is we're going to confront the reality that when we forget that that we are the community of God, that we're going to forget that God has more citizens of his in this community, and we're not going to be in a position to invite them to consider joining our God as a citizen of his kingdom. But the good news is that Jesus has come into this world to turn rebels like us into upstanding citizens, no longer living for ourselves, but living for him. And together, we are an outpost of God's kingdom, pleading with our community to take God, to take up his offer of peace and citizenship. And so we're going to look at a few things that come from this passage that will inform how we as a church relate to our community, how we relate to our city as an outpost of the kingdom of God. We're going to consider three things, motives in the mission, the message of the mission, and methods in the mission. And so first things first, let's consider motives for the mission. Why do we do this at all? Why do we think outside of ourselves at all? If we look at verses 11, 14, and 15 in the passage in front of us, we're going to see a few things that motivated Paul to plead with and to implore and appeal to these rebellious Corinthians. Paul is motivated here by awe of Christ. He's motivated by the love Christ has for him. And he is motivated by his desire to see people live for Christ. So in verse 11, Paul says that he persuades people, he persuades them to believe the gospel because he knows the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Now, this isn't like fear like I'm scared of Jesus. 
but rather this is an awe and a reverence for who Jesus is. And out of this sense of awe, out of seeing the glory and the grandeur of Christ, Paul was motivated to persuade others about Jesus and his glory. He even admits, if we read later in our passage, that he had a low view of Jesus before he became a Christian, before he believed the gospel. Because before he believed, Paul was actually going around the ancient world and not, not making Christians, he was imprisoning Christians. And on his way to arrest some, on his way to Damascus, Jesus showed up and Paul saw a glimpse of the glory of Christ. And if you look at the passage right before ours this morning, we see that Paul knew that one day he would stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And out of this understanding of the glory of Christ, his awe and his reverence, Paul was motivated to persuade other people about the glory of Christ. The second thing that we see from verse 14 was that the love of Christ, the love of Christ was a motivator for Paul and those traveling with him, sharing the gospel and planting churches. Paul knew that this glorious Christ who he had met personally on the road to Damascus and who he knew he was going to stand before one day, he knew that this glorious Christ loved him. This majestic, glorious Savior loved Paul. And that love, it says, controlled him. Which in the Greek, it literally means to impel, to move something forward in a direction. And so Paul was moving forward knowing that he was loved by Jesus, his glorious and his majestic Savior. And so because Paul was loved, he could love these rebellious and difficult people. And we see this love pour out for the Corinthians in this letter because he was so moved, he was so impelled that he could not help but let them know what he thought about them, what he felt about them, and his desires for them to hold fast to Christ. Third, we see that Paul was motivated by his desire to see the Corinthians no longer live for themselves, it says in verse 15, but rather to live for him who for their sake died and was raised. Paul wanted to see them experience and see the glory of Christ. He wanted them to experience the love of Christ, and he wanted the Corinthians to live for Christ. That's what motivated Paul to write this very personal and love-laden letter to this group of people. Now, now this was tough, though, because these were a group of people that he had met, that he had shared the gospel with, that he had started this church with. He spent 18 months with them, but now they had rejected him. They had rejected him, and they were on the brink of rejecting the gospel. And Paul, out of these motivations, he begged them and he pleaded with them to hold fast to Jesus. So how long can we endure in this city if we hated being here? I mean, doesn't, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I feel like January is flying by. Other times I'm like, January is lasting forever. It's just never going to end. So do you ever have that feeling, I just want to get out of here, I want to run away, I want to go on vacation or something? I mean, what keeps us here if you can't wait to leave? For Paul, with the Corinthians, he was amazed by Jesus. 
He knew that he was loved, and he greatly desired for these Corinthians to live for Jesus and no longer live for themselves. And so this motivated him. This empowered him to continue begging and pleading with them rather than packing up shop and leaving town. And so what motivates us to be engaged in our community? What empowers us to love the people around us? Because if we have a small view of who Jesus is, if we forget that we're his people, then we're going to forget that he's got more people in this community. What we'll do is we'll end up losing our sense of purpose as a church, and we'll just live for ourselves rather than living for Christ. And so let's consider for a moment this morning our motives for taking part in God's mission to our community. What about this place makes it difficult to be present here? What about this place makes it difficult to to engage in meaningful relationships with people, whether it's in the church or outside the church? Where, Where are you in need of a bigger view of who Jesus is and a greater understanding of his love for you? Because if we don't wrestle with these things, We're going to struggle to be a place in this community where people will hear and respond to the gospel. Can we face that together? But the good news, the good news for us, is that the gospel itself becomes an amazing motivator for sharing it with others. So point two this morning, we're going to look at what Paul tells us about the message of the mission. The message of the mission. So as we get into verses 16 through 21, we see three things come out of this passage which are truly amazing. Truths of the gospel that will inform what we have already experienced and what we will be sharing with our community. So in verse 16, Paul says that him and his traveling companions going around the ancient world, he says that they no longer regard anyone according to the flesh. What this means is they no longer define people by worldly standards or what they can see on the outside. Because Paul has said in this passage already, he is far more concerned about the hearts of the men and women in Corinth and not just their their outward appearance, not just what's on the face, which is what those super apostles, they were more concerned about, having ecstatic experiences, more of outward religious expression and not inward renewal. Paul was more uh, concerned about the hearts of those that he met in his travels. And he made a conscious decision along with those traveling that they were going to regard nobody according to worldly standards anymore. And so that would be like people who don't live here in Fargo deciding, making a conscious decision not to judge us by the movie Fargo. Because believe it or not, a lot of people do that travel outside our area and you say, you're from Fargo, what's the first thing they bring up? Weather or the movie? One of those two things. It's like saying, I'm not going to bring those things up. I'm not going to talk about that with my friend from Fargo. Because that's not who we are. But that's what people think we are. So getting into verse 17, he shows how the gospel is about internal recreation. Internal recreation. Internal renewal. This verse is amazing. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone's united to Christ, 
He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so this is the first amazing truth of the gospel. And he wants the people of Corinth to be absolutely amazed by this reality. And we know that because of one word in this sentence, the word behold. It's not just behold. It's, hey, check this out. Take a look at this. This is pretty amazing. It's like when somebody says, hey, did you see the recruiting class for Bison football next year? Not too bad, considering the, the coaching change. It's looking pretty good. You're trying to get someone excited about what's taking place. That's what Paul is saying, because what is amazing about this is that when somebody believes the gospel, two things happen. The old ceases to exist, and something completely new is created. This is what we call regeneration, where God makes people completely new in every way. And now Paul's concern was for the Corinthians to experience this on a heart level, to experience a recreated, regenerated heart, for the old to die and for the new to rise up. Because God is in the business of making new creations. And Paul wants the Corinthian church to be absolutely amazed by this reality. The second amazing reality of the gospel comes from verses 18 through 19, where Paul shows that God is reconciling, God is reconciling people to himself. He's not counting their trespasses against them. And so when someone believes the gospel, they're at peace with God. They're no longer at war. There's no more enmity. There's no more strife. But rather, they have peace. They are reconciled. What he is doing in this is he is establishing new, peaceful relationships with former rebels. Relationships that were broken due to sin, but now, through Christ, in the gospel, rather than being at war, God is bringing true and lasting peace. And the third amazing reality of the gospel we see in this passage comes from verse 21, where we see that we become, it says, we become the righteousness of God. And so the bad news of the gospel is that we were dead in sin, we were at war with God, and we were depraved in every way. But by faith, what Paul is telling us, we are made perfectly and completely holy. God no longer views us as depraved, but rather, believe it or not, it's, it's hard for us to reconcile, it's hard for us to see this in ourselves, but by faith, God views us as morally excellent and perfectly righteous on the inside. Because God is in the business of turning rebels into upstanding citizens. He's making dead people alive. He is bringing peace where there was strife, and he's bringing righteousness where there was depravity. And now this is the message that saves, this is the message that sends, and this is the message of the mission 
What Jesus has done in sharing with us his life, Jesus has shared with us his death, and he has shared with us his resurrection. He has shared with us his holiness. And now because of that, in God's eyes, by faith, we are upstanding citizens of the kingdom of God. And so a local church, a place like River City, we are a place where the dead in sin hear these amazing truths. And through faith, they find life, they find peace, they find righteousness. And having found these things ourselves, we get to share them with future citizens of God's kingdom. We, as a church, we get a front row seat to what God is doing outside these walls in our community amongst rebellious, hurting, broken people. What an amazing honor that is to see that happen as we've experienced it ourselves. So as Paul shares these amazing truths with the Corinthians, he tells them that God has given him and his companions this ministry of reconciliation, is what Paul, uh, Paul calls it. This amazing message was entrusted to them, and they were, they were bringing this message of peace and new life and righteousness into hostile territory. And for us, out of awe of Christ, being empowered by his great love for us, and by having a growing desire to see people in our community, people in the Fargo-Moorhead, West Fargo-Dilworth area, out of our desire to see them live for Christ and no longer for themselves, we get to share our life with people in this community. That's how we share this wonderful message. But the question is, how do we do that? What does it actually look like in real life? How do we take part in what God's already doing in our community? So let's consider point three here together. Methods in the mission. Methods in the mission. We've talked about why we do it. What are our motivations? We've talked about what we share. What are we going out there with? the message of the gospel. And now we're going to talk about how do we actually take part in God's work of redemption in this city, in this community. So in this passage, we see Paul, he sees himself in his role, and as he lives out his role, he pleads with the Corinthians. He appeals to them. He implores them to believe the gospel and to take God up on this amazing offer of peace. And so you may not have expected to end up in this part of the world. I certainly didn't when I moved here in 2005. And you may not live here in Fargo because you really want to. Maybe you're here for school. Maybe you're here for work temporarily. But in some way, I hope that this place is starting to grow on you just a little bit. Maybe, in some ways. Sure, it's cold. Sure, the people can be passive-aggressive at times, but of all the places that you could spend your days, I mean, there's a lot worse, right? Not many nods. (laughs) We'll get there. As God turns rebels into upstanding citizens who are new, who are at peace, who have complete and full righteousness, we're getting used to this new citizenship more and more over time. That's sanctification. That's growing. That's living into more of who God has made us to be. And slowly but surely, we see that living under the, 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 the rule and the reign of Christ is actually a pretty good deal. 
because He rules over His people with grace and with truth. And we're living more and more into this identity as citizens of God's kingdom. We're no longer of this world, but we are merely living in this world. And we are a part of a whole different nation, a different kingdom, though we're still present here in this place, in this time. But as we embrace our citizenship in the community of God, we become more and more willing to invite people to join us as fellow citizens. And as we come to love this particular community more and more, we invite others to experience this community with us. As Pastor Steve Treichler from Hope Community Church in Minneapolis says all the time, I love this, we go into the kingdom of darkness and we wreck the joint. That's why we're here. But what does that look like in real life? Paul used language in this passage that would have worked really well with his audience that was made up of Roman citizens. In verse 20, he describes himself and his team of missionaries. He describes them as ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. So an ambassador is one who represents somebody with authority, who carries with them the message that they have received, the message that they have been given to share. An ambassador represents the king and the country seeking good and healthy relationships with other kingdoms. But in this case, Paul was entering into hostile kingdoms run by aggressive regimes. And he entered into this territory uh, with good news, good news of peace being offered by God. And as we see in verse 20, what he would do is he would implore and he would appeal to his audiences to accept God's offer of peace. And so we saw back in verse 11, Paul would persuade people to believe that Jesus was the Christ and the only means of salvation. And as Paul went into this ancient world proclaiming peace, he was met with a mix of strong opposition. He was beaten. He was imprisoned. Some people even mistook him for a Greek god at one point. All sorts of crazy stuff as Paul traveled around the ancient world. But he also saw many who heard this gospel and believed by faith, and many citizens of the kingdom of darkness were transferred into the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of the beloved Son. Many rebels became upstanding citizens, along with Paul. And so for us, we are here. We were brought together in this time, in this place, for the purpose of sharing with our community God's offer of reconciliation. We trust that God has more people in our community who belong to him, and we represent our king as we share his message. And so how do we do that? What is our responsibility in the midst of that? I argue that it's our responsibility as a church to create contexts where the pure gospel can be shared. We create contexts where the pure gospel can be shared. And now the first way we do that is here on Sunday mornings. We are devoted to God's word because that's where we hear what, God's, what God wants to tell us about his son and what he has done in the gospel. So anyone in our community can show up and they can hear the good news. And this is a context where we know every week we're going to open up God's word We're going to celebrate Christ together, 
and we're going to proclaim his gospel. And as that takes place, as people hear, they find life. They find peace. They receive Christ's righteousness. So Sunday mornings are super important for us to be devoted to the public teaching of God's word. The second thing, we continue to highlight our community groups. And let's just go ahead and make this official. We've talked about it for a few weeks now, but we are going to change the name of our small group ministry from missional communities to community groups. And here's why. We are the people of God. We have been brought into his community. We have been made upstanding citizens by faith. And because we're his people and because we're completely dependent upon him, we want to remind ourselves that we are the community of God. We are in his kingdom. And secondly, we are members of this church community. We are independent, or I'm sorry, interdependent upon one another. Big difference. We are the community of God together. And then lastly, we are in this community. We share what we have received with those who are in need of it. We are God's community, in community together, in this community. Therefore, we see the name community groups better capturing both who we are and why we're here. And we hope to reinforce all the things that we have done in those groups for years, and we intend to do them more with more intentionality and focus into 2019. And so in the fall, we're going to be training new community group leaders because we're always looking for more of us to take on responsibility for one another and to take responsibility for creating these smaller contexts where Christ can be celebrated, where the gospel can be passed on. And so maybe that's something you want to consider going through our community group leader training this fall and learning how to take what we have embraced and give it to other people in a variety of contexts, whether it's one-on-one conversations, group discussion, or going into our community. We want to train you to do that. And we invite you to, to step up to that challenge and to join us in creating those new contexts where the gospel can be proclaimed and where Jesus can be celebrated. Or many people, week after week, open up their homes for those groups to meet. Maybe for you, it's using God's gifts and his resources for God's people and for God's mission. And so maybe it's hosting a a community group. Maybe it's saying, we might not lead, but we'd love to host. We'd love to place another gospel outpost in our community, and you can come to our house on this night at this time. Maybe that's something for you to consider. The third element of how we as a church will take part in God's mission is through church planting. Church planting is crucial in the mission of God because it takes what God desires for the local church and it takes his design of the local church and it places it in new contexts. We're reproducing healthy eldership, healthy membership, which we spoke of last week, and we start a new outpost of the gospel. We start new embassies of the kingdom where the pure gospel is proclaimed as it's passed on. And so it's it's our desire to plant healthy churches until Jesus comes back. But what we're learning is we can't just plant churches without maturing ourselves as a body here, River City, downtown. What I mean is, as a congregation, we are members of one another, we are one heart and soul, we are interdependent upon one another, and we're not just a resourcing arm for other churches that we send out here. 
We need to grow and we need to mature as a church here where, where we're truly dependent upon God, we're truly interdependent upon one another. And out of that, as we're maturing, we're in a better place to pass that on to new church plants. But by creating these new contexts for the gospel in places where they didn't exist before, we are taking part in God's mission to our city, in our area, and our state. And though it was a coincidence that Carrie was here, hey, Carrie, though it was a coincidence, this worked out really well. Because we have people right now who are in Kathmandu, a certain East Asian country, and in Africa, who are doing a variety of things to further the mission of God in those places, whether it's planting churches or actually translating God's word into a local language or making disciples in a big city. We have the opportunity to take place in church planting and the forward movement of God's kingdom all over the place. And that's pretty amazing. That's another way that we can continue to take part in what God is doing, not just here, but throughout the whole world. Lastly, I want to make the argument that what this all boils down to is one really, really simple thing, but you're probably going to be super annoyed. So brace yourself. I think... In many ways for us as a local church in our community, what this boils down to is handshakes. Meeting people, initiating relationships. And now I know I've actually met somebody who is an eternal, immortal person. Isn't that amazing? When you meet somebody for the first time, you're meeting someone who is made in the image of God, one. And if they're not in Christ, they're at war with God. They do not have peace. They're dead in their sins and trespasses. And when you meet someone, this eternal, immortal soul, we have this wonderful message of reconciliation. We have this wonderful message of new life. We have this message of recreation. We have this wonderful message of peace and righteousness. A handshake is absolutely amazing because you're interacting with someone who may just be your brother or sister in Christ. Now, that's where it starts. And I know meet and greet can be somewhat annoying. But let's not apologize for that. Let's see it for what it is. We're meeting eternal souls. That's pretty amazing. It starts with that. All of my best friends that I've met, all the discipleship relationships I've ever met, they started with a handshake and a hello. Super simple, but for people like us, often super hard. It starts there, but then as we go deeper into these relationships, what do we do? We learn people's stories. That's why we have a question every Sunday. We get to know specific details about people's lives. And not only do we get to know those details, the more we're with one another, we get to know how we make sense of those details. How do I interpret life? How do you make sense of life? The deeper we go, the more we get to that level. And not only that, what we then get to do is we get to share with one another how we process life together. We identify with the other person's wrestles, with their hopes and their dreams and their fears. We can connect on a level that's way more than the weather or the movie or the bison or whatever. We can go deeper into those kind of relationships where we truly know one another, not just the details of our lives, but how we make sense of our lives. And then from there, we get to invite them into deeper connection, invite them into context where they're going to hear the gospel, where they're going to hear who Jesus is and what he has done. And as we do that, we set ourselves up for mutual influence. 
that give and take, that interdependence that we have upon one another. All those things are, are things that we do on any given day, but let's not just be so, let's just not gloss over how amazing it is when we meet eternal souls. Truly amazing. Paul loved these Corinthians, and so he persuaded them, and he implored them, and he appealed to them, and he begged them to take up God's offer of peace. And he knew actual people with actual names, with actual stories, without actual hope, without actual peace, without new life. And out of compassion, out of love, he was moved to write them a letter like this, to share with them the amazing truths of the gospel, and to share... uh, who he was, to share in his life with them. And so as a church, we are an embassy. We are made up of upstanding citizens of God's kingdom. And as we encounter people in our community, let's be amazed that we are meeting eternal souls who are made in God's image. So what do we do with this when we're not motivated? What do we do when we're not excited about handshakes and church planting and community groups? We come back to Jesus, the one who left the glory and the comforts of heaven, the one who came here into enemy territory. And as he was here, we see in Matthew chapter 9, as Jesus was going around uh, Israel proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. He was moved deeply in his inner being for these people because he saw they were harassed and they were helpless and they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, which people are doing right now, by the way. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. And that's why we exist, River City Church to bring people safely into God's kingdom through faith in Christ and through relationships with people like us. When we embrace our identity as the community of God, then we're going to be excited about others becoming citizens of the kingdom of God with us. And though Jesus was the perfect citizen of God's kingdom, he died as a rebel of the kingdom of darkness. If we look at verse 21, which says, For our sake, he made him to be sin." who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus entered hostile territory, not only to proclaim the message of peace, but to earn our peace by taking all of God's wrath for rebels like us. Jesus died for us, so we can die to ourselves. Jesus lived for us, so now we can live for him. Jesus lived for us, so now we can live for his people. And if you're not a Christian today, if you are planning on standing before the judgment, judging, uh, standing before the judgment seat of Christ on your own, then let us as a church beg you and plead with you here today not to receive this offer of peace in vain, not to overlook this amazing offer, but rather, behold, now is the favorable time Check it out. Don't miss out on this. Today is the day of salvation. The the gospel that we have embraced is the gospel we proclaim to you, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day 
And in his death, he took all your punishment for sin, all the wrath that you deserved, and he took that upon himself. And in return, he gives you his perfect life, his perfect righteousness, his perfect peace. You will become a new creation. The old will cease to exist, and behold, the new will come. Today is the day. Stop trusting in yourself. Join us as citizens of God's kingdom. If you're in that wrestle today, if that's you, you're not here by accident. But let us help you find meaningful relationships here where you can hear more of the good news, we can hear more of your story. And so do that here before you go today. But River City, let's remember that we are God's people, we are together, and we are on his mission. It's not our mission, it's not our message, but together we represent our king and his kingdom in this community. What an amazing honor that is. What an amazing way to spend our days here.